falls at Haddon's Park. A wayfan standing cased by dark. Ne'er appointed Wickham one. No happy tale has ever been spun. This time the wanderers stood their ground. A winning confidence we found. The chairboy's arsenal repelled. A new defensive team had gelled. Paris George then found the net. Now transpired not to forget. But the story took a darker tone when Lee drove a stunner home. Wickham now had wind in sails. Whites were caught in the home contrails. Another goal, a collapse certain. But there was time before the curtain. Told it rise and with his head a roar of joy to wake the dead. Jerome then felled a spot kick called. Morley scores, the crowd enthralled. The point secured, it's time to air a podcast with no filler. Mark Isles, and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is episode 195 of the show that guarantees to scare the pants off you almost as much as watching Bolton Wanderers in the second half. And on your spooktacular buff this week, the curse is lifted in the dark of Wickham. It's into the valley at Charlton. Can the Whites make it three in a row? The strange and fantastical transformation of George Thomason and dead rats, pig heads, and a former wanderer. All in the podcast that goes bump in the zap night. Kishishir misses his tackle on Fine. Fine will shoot from distance, it's taken a deflection! What a save by Anderson! Nolan must score! He does! Kevin Nolan, after a deflected shot by Fine, was spilled by Anderson. The keeper completely wrong-footed here. Stefan Anderson looks ruefully on as Bolton celebrate and they lead here at the Valley. Okay, now, do you want to hear something really scary? My co-host for the podcast and a man who this Halloween will gather his young family around the television set to watch his favourite horror film, the 2011 FA Cup semi-final against Stoke. It's Henry Hewitt. Oh, don't mind. That gives me shivers. Not you doing that impression, just the thought of watching that game again. That's oh no. Let's move on. Let's talk about happier times. Bolton have won twice this week. <laughs> let's uh, let's forget about that. Anyway, the, the the Wembley ghost was laid to rest last last year. Anyway, that's so. true. That's true. That uh, that ghost has been exercised. I'm going to throw in as many Halloween puns as I can do. It's weird actually because just saying off air there, it's Halloween. Like I think it's next Tuesday, and we're recording it. And it doesn't feel like Halloween at all. But by this weekend, by the time people generally listen to the podcast on the Saturday, yeah, they'll be getting in a Halloween spirit. So we're going to give this a bit of a spookier theme. And do you know what? I'm not going to talk about Wickham and Northampton first. I'm talking about Halloween. I'm going to dive straight in there. I'm going to put this content right at the top. Because before we came on air, I made you watch a piece of club, club-based club content, which I have to say, more than any time of year, 
the quality of club content varies online at Halloween more than any other. Um, it's either really, really good or really, really bad. And the worst for me are those horrible uh, like Halloween X1 things that they do, you know, like the, the pun names. Yeah, yeah. And every year, every year is the same. Tim Scream, every year, guarantee it. Every single time. Uh, David Trick or Treater or, you know, I'm trying to think of another one. Freddy Bobwitch or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's only so many you can do. And it's the same every single year. It's boring. Don't do that, Bolton. Please don't do that. Uh, But I did send you a video of something that I had never seen before. And it's a good few years old now. So I think we're talking about 2014, 15-ish, you think? Yeah, I'd say so. With the players involved, it looks yeah, it looks around that time. Maybe twenty thirteen, maybe slightly earlier. Could be ten years old. Could be ten years old. Some of the greatest horror films really are. But um, so to set the scene, to set the scene, um, uh, Dan, who is the press officer at the time, he set up a little bit of a, a Halloween backdrop um, with a bit of bit of webbing and some spiders and whatnot. And he's he's got an interview seat in front, so he's he's going to be doing a. a a Halloween uh, interview with with a player, um, and the first guy that sits down is, is Rob Hall, and Dan says, "Oh, I've just got to nip away for a second and he, he goes away from camera, and then very slowly you you find out because of the way that they've set the cameras up, you can see that there's another player behind the the little setup behind behind, and he creeps out very slowly with a view to scaring Rob Hall or whoever's sat in that seat. Um, don't know about you." Don't think it worked well first time. No, so uh, the first time, yeah, Rob Hart. It was uh, Tim Ream was the um, was the scarer, and uh, I think what is great about the video. And to be fair, like Dan, I met Dan a few times, and Dan's great, and Dan's gone on to have a really good career within mm. the game. Um, but the production value on Bolton videos has gone up a lot since Marcus <laughs> has done it. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, Tim Ree, it's very underwhelming, isn't it? Um, you you might have to share the video so people can watch it. Uh, there will be a book. link. There will be a link on yeah. this so you can you can have a watch of it. Uh, suddenly, the um, spike of the spike of the views on that video are going to go up significantly. But I'm going to put the link yeah. on on the notes of the podcast. Uh, but Tim Ream, uh, I mean Tim Ream, typical American, makes the most of it. Mm. Is uh, is as if he scared Rob Hall out of his uh, skin, whereas Rob Hall just kind of turned around and went, oh. <laughs> that it. Did. That's it, Tim Ream. Tim Ream genuinely thinks he's 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 him to within an inch of his life. It's crazy. Yeah. And and Tim Ream is the driest guy in the world. I've never seen him laugh that hard about anything. But they get rid of Rob Hall and then they bring in Dorian DeVeet for the second one. And it works so much better. Yeah. I think when because Liam Feeney and Tim Ream shot a share responsibility. Yeah. Liam Feeney is much better at it than Tim Ream. Tim Ream gets scares. Who was the last one? Uh, Neil Dans, I think. Neil Dans. It scares him a little bit, but yeah, Liam Feeney's far better at it. Uh, Dorian DeVete jumps out of his shell and literally swears in French. Um, but the, the Neil Dans one towards the end, they do, a, they do a one of the kit guys as well. I can't even remember his name, so I'm going to skip past that one. But they do Neil Dans. The, the scariest bit about that is that Neil Dans sits down for the interview. Dan walks away for a couple of minutes. And Neil Dans just starts looking into the camera and singing an Ed Sheeran song. That's scarier to me than anything on the video. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's just what you're doing, Dance. Anyway, right. Uh, yes, I will include the link. I like that. I like it. Who? I'll, I'll ask you this though to link it in. Who would you like to see scared? 
Who would you, if they were to recreate that this time round, who do you think would jump out their shell in the current squad, do you think? Oh, um, I think maybe I would like to see someone try and scare Santos because I, <laughs> I don't think he would be. Um, but I think it would be someone like Thomason to get the most scared. Like, yeah. Bless him. Really nice guy. I loved his interview after the game where he said he fancied his teammates um, <laughs> with a club. Uh, but yeah, I think there's... Uh, yeah, I think there's something with, with George Thomas and he might be uh, a bit of a scaredy cat. Um, I reckon Dan Unlundaloo would jump a mile. Yeah, actually, Dan Unlundaloo's a nice guy. So I think it's the nice guys that would jump a mile. And if they don't get scared, they would just be tend to be scared just to be nice. And here's, here's a little trick. If they're going to do it again, get Randell Williams in there. He's scared of spiders. Is he? Definitely ultra scared of spiders. I remember hearing him doing one of those kind of question and answer things one time and, and thinking, just lodge that in your memory bank because it'll come in handy one day. Um, you never know. They might be able to do it. I don't know whether HR would have to get involved after that. <laughs> Some sort of like childhood <laughs> phobia or something that uh, that you're not really supposed to mess with. But um, yeah, you never know. I'd like, I'd pay for that. I'd, I'd put my money in to watch Wondrous TV if they were just going to scare uh, Bolton players uh out of their wits, basically, uh, for club content. Um, right, okay, let's move on then. Let's move on to something that has happened this week, and obviously, it's been a it's been a winning week for Bolton, a weird winning week for Bolton. But we'll start with let's start with Northampton on Saturday. Probably the best first half we've seen from Bolton this season. Absolutely marvelous stuff. But what the hell was said at half time? Yeah. It's, it's a funny feeling. I've mentioned it before, this new Bolton Wanderers, where we, we leave a game where we've won and it's a bit underwhelming. Yeah. Um, I do think if, if Morley's shot would have gone in, which the, the defender blocked on the line, I think if that had gone in 3-0, I think we could have... Well, we, knowing Bolton this season, we would have just won 3-0. We don't yeah. tend to score. Um, we don't tend to win 4-0. But, um, yeah, I, th I think... Um, yeah, it was just a bit... I thought at the start of the second half, we started well yeah, and it looked did. like we were going to push on uh, but then as 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 it went on and they started to have more of the ball you could just see them getting a goal and it being tight at the end but I think I, I heard Ian Everts saying he was actually right and I think it's only hindsight that reminds you of this and it's, it's kind of similar with the Wickham game even though they scored two teams aren't creating a lot of chances against us no. same with Derby a few um, a few weeks ago uh, Port Vale as well but we seem to be under the cosh the fans getting a bit nervous but teams aren't creating many chances I think when we're when we're defending uh, when we're on the attack we concede a few chances through you know bodies being up and, and whatever and I think the manager has admitted that we will do with the way we play but when we are defending uh, I don't think we do concede many chances so uh, yeah I, I think we maybe should all relax a bit more but um, we got the win in the end it's all that matters isn't it it's all that matters, of course it is, and I'm sure they would have liked to have gone on and scored scored plenty more goals. Um, but I, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think with a bit of hindsight, you look at that start of the second half, and I think they they probably should have scored, um, should have scored more. I think as far as saves go, Baxter. I'm just looking at the league table of saves here. It says he's made 40 saves, which is actually it's, it's quite high, really. It's about seventh in the table. Um, is that this season? Right. Yeah, it is this season. So that's that's a bit weird. I don't even know what to make of that. Um, I don't feel like he's been particularly hugely tested in any particular game. He's made the odd good save. He made a cracking one on Tuesday night at Wickham, for example. But it's you, you don't think, oh my God, he's keeping us in the game here. 
Um, I think they have got better at protecting their own penalty box. So, yeah, it, it was just a weird feeling. I think it's no longer about just winning games for Bolton. It's almost like how you've won the games. I mean, we've gone to it in a bit more detail, but I, I don't like the idea that you should be thrashing teams all the time. You've got to give some degree of respect to the fact that teams are, you know, not, you're not playing at rubbish level of football. You know, and, and Bolton aren't that much higher than everybody else that they should be expecting to thrash teams. That's that's what I don't particularly like that's creeped in. I think it's because we have seen glimpses and, and we saw glimpses in the Northampton first half and against Wickham that we, we are a very, very good team. When it's we're passing it about, when we get in the bit of space, when teams are standing off us, which I'm surprised they do actually because we seem to play better against teams that do that. Um, you know, I do like that we have... Because I think sometimes last season... We we were just we couldn't break through, and I mm. think I do like this season that we we are finding in the first half that we are doing that and getting a couple of goals ahead. Um, like the last two games is not the first time we've done it this season, so I do like that, and I think um, you know that shows that we have improved on that level. But I think it's because we've seen those glimpses. That's why people are like, we need to be battering teams, and I've said it before. I think I'd love to see Bolton get a few. Four nils and five nils. Like I think when we, you know, you look back to the Peter and MK Dons games last yeah. year when we did it, and it's great. And that's where, I, you know, I I think we are one of the better teams in the league, and I would like to see that. But at the end of the day, when you look back, if we get promoted, you look back at the fixtures, or the results. No one's gonna go, oh well, that Northampton game. Do you remember that? Yeah, we should have won that four nil. You're gonna look back at the the big games, the big events like the Wickham one, and go, exactly. how great was that? Or how great was um, when we beat Derby, or how great was it when we kicked off a season with scoring nine goals in three games? So I think it's uh, hindsight is great, and I think it's sometimes important to remember that you you don't get promoted based on how many four nils you have. You get promoted on how many wins you do. It's all about the W. All about the W. Ricardo Santos was right, and and that's that's the thing. And again, you know, they've scored four goals at Wickham. On uh, on Tuesday night, an amazing game, really. If if you were sat there as a as a neutral, I'm sure it would have been great watching it. But um, neither neither me nor thee were sat there as neutrals, especially. Um, it was a ground, obviously, the Bolton never won at, never even scored at. So it's it, it was a dreadful place um, to to be going on a Tuesday night, knowing you've got Charlton after that as well. It just it felt like a really big week. And and had they gone to Wickham and lost, or even maybe if they'd have just, just drawn that game, you could have seen it being a difficult couple of days, maybe. But, uh, I mean, that's not what happened. No, it wasn't. I, I think at 2-2, uh, you know, I was I was thinking that this is going to be a nightmare a few days because people aren't, they're not happy. And you know what, as a, as a fan, I can understand it because it's frustrating when you see Bolton dominate first half. So yeah. then it seems that they come out for the second half and they just go, right, well, you can have the ball now. And I can, I can totally understand it, and I, I, I get it, and I'm the same. I, you go in 2-0, you want Bolton to push on and, and score three or four goals, but without it, it seemed to me that against Wickham, there was an element where it was like, right, okay, well, let's, you know, you can have the ball and, and we'll defend. And then when they got the second goal, it was like, oh, right, we need to step up a gear now, which is good to see that they can do and mm. score two goals. But yeah, I, I do think. Well, why didn't they come out in the second half with that? I know the manager will say, well, they scored, they scored a goal, a goal out of nowhere, so it kind of changes the game a little bit. But um, 
yeah, I, I think we're all looking for that 90 minute performance. Um, but like I said, if, if, if you'd have offered us a 4-2 before that game against Wickham, you'd have took it no matter how, how the game ended yeah. up, you know, how the game went. So again, context is important, but, um, yeah, I'd, I'm happy with the wins. Of course I am. And it's great to see us in fourth and it's great to see that we've, um, we've got a game in hand on Barnsley and we've knocked the, the difference between us and Oxford. So we could go into second if results go our way this weekend. But yeah, I'm just a bit annoyingly. I reckon it'll come against Solly Hull in a game that it doesn't matter whether you win one nil <laughs> or six nil. <laughs> and then we'll go back to the league and, and be two nil up after 10 minutes and then holding on at the end. There will be a run this season where, like you said last season with the Peterborough and the MK Dons, where they score four and five in, in three or four games. That's that's the way it happens. Um, I only care about the W. I've got to be completely frank. They can win every single game 1-0 from here on in. You're up. Doesn't really doesn't really worry me. I think with Wickham, the, the goal, and it wasn't as if Bolton were all over. Wickham first half. I thought it was a, it was a pretty even contest, but Bolton took the majority of their chances. They didn't give away too many chances. Wickham had a bit of pressure. They had a bit of ball. They had more ball than Bolton uh, in, in the first half. Um, but I thought they defended extremely well and, and credit there as well. I don't think he got much credit for it, but credit for the way that they did reshape that defence because it, it did exactly what it needed to do in that first half. Um, the goal... You know, Lee's goal was brilliant. There's no question about that. There's not really much you can do about that. You could then argue they didn't respond that well. And I said, I think probably the same with Northampton is that second half, Northampton just changed shape and they didn't respond to that very well. And that's probably where the criticism should lie. So Wickham just altered things slightly. They got on a couple of substitutes and you could tell Bolton were panicking a bit. They weren't keeping the ball. They weren't being as good and reliable in possession as they probably needed to be. Um, it all got a little bit frantic and you were just praying that somebody would put their foot on the ball and just, you know, play your way out of trouble rather than hooking it and it coming straight back at you. And, you know, it, it felt almost inevitable when they got that second goal, but there was still 10 minutes of the game to go. So what's going to happen from there? And it was very impressive. I thought when they scored the, the second goal, the players grabbed the ball, got it back and, and it was almost as if, it was a, a sort of an engineered right. Come on, you need to reset yourselves now and, and get get going again. And I think somebody said it was against the run of play that Bolton scored the next two goals. I have to take issue with that. I I, I felt from there on in that Bolton were actually trying to play football. They were they'd reverted back to what they are good at doing. Sheehan got on the ball. Uh, Thomason got on the ball. They were they were looking for passes as opposed to just hoping that something fell for them. And you know they got the. The Sheen should have had a penalty before they actually got one. That that should have been a penalty for me. Uh, they won the corner with a nice bit of play down the left with Thomason. Um, uh, uh, then scored, of course, with the corner. Um, brilliant header from Toll, by the way. Fantastic. And what scenes in the corner. It was fantastic. Uh, the, the fans were absolutely submerged in darkness. Talk about your scary night. I don't know whether they not paid the lecky bill in that sand or something, but it was absolutely pitch black. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you just saw this like mass of humanity come to the front of the stand to celebrate. It was great. Even I punched the air in the press box, and that's saying something. Uh, then obviously, you know, Aaron, Aaron Morley does what he does. Cameron Jerome winning a penalty as well. Eh? Who'd have, who'd have thunk that? You got booze when when Underlund and Jerome came on. 
Um, you know, it, it was it was a great way to kind of reclaim it. And when the final whistle went, the first thing I got from the game was, you know, they've shown a bit of bit of balls there to get back in that or to to win that game because it would have been very easy to just kind of sit back and just hold on to that point. But they've actually gone on and won the game. And I was a little bit disappointed to see quite how many people had just gone straight back to, yeah, but we lost the two goals. It's not, it wasn't my immediate take home. Yes, in the fullness of time, you kind of analyse that. And it, of course, you look at that and you wonder why, but it wasn't your immediate thing. You know, England didn't win the World Cup in 66 and think, yeah, but they did peg you back to two all. You'd won, you know, got the game won twice. You know, it was like, yes, we won the World Cup. Um, same scoreline, totally different, <laughs> totally different circumstances, of course. Uh, but it, it just, I, I, the whole glass half full thing, I'm not too sure it's for me, Henry. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, like I said, in hindsight, the end of a season and people look at away days and I'm sure all of those fans are, were buzzing at the end of a game and, uh, and happy to have, have seen that and been there. And that's football is the emotions. You get the highs and then the lows and then the highs again. But, um, you know, I, I personally, I, I was disappointed they got back to 2-2 because as well, you look at Barnsley's goal difference compared to ours and that that could be a difference. So when he, suddenly we would, you know, we were level because Barnsley were winning 2-0 at the same time. Mm. We thought, great. We we're at a tough ground. They've got a relatively easier match at home to Shrewsbury, and then suddenly it gets pegged back to two two. But um, you know, I think they, for me, yeah, I I was obviously I was buzzing at full time. We'd won the game because it was at Wickham. We'd never won there before, and Wickham's a tough place to go. Just like Charlton, we could end up, we could be four 0 up against Charlton, end up winning four three. And as a, a, a lot of fans will think the same would be disappointed we conceded three but then you think well we've took six points from two tough away games so that's all that matters really but um i don't know about you i i i'm looking at the the amount of goals we have conceded um mm. and I, I think that's a little worry as well because we didn't concede many last year uh, and now suddenly we we seem to be we're scoring more but we're conceding more as well um so it's it's whether you can sustain it over the season. You know, you you look at Portsmouth and they're scoring a lot of late goals. They didn't score a late goal on Tuesday, but you you wonder with them, well, how would how are you going to sustain that over the season? Because you can't keep relying on late goals. I guess mm. for Bolton it's the same, but how can you can you sustain if you're going to concede a lot? Can you sustain scoring a lot? I I wondered the same with Plymouth last season because they had the same sort of attitude as Port Pompey is. They scored a lot of goals, a lot of substitutes came on and affected the game for them. And, and it looked as if, yeah, but your luck's going to run out at some stage. And it never did. And fair play to Plymouth. And, and they've gone on and, and doing OK up in the championship as well now. So it can happen. I just think you've just got to concentrate at this point in the season. Just just get the, the Ws. I, I, I'm not too worried about how it comes along at the minute. I, I do accept your point about conceding goals, though, because... Um, I don't think many of them are coming from mistakes. You know, there was a time where you could say, hey, but, you know, set pieces, clearly the concentration isn't there or, um, you know, if individuals potentially you could pick out and say, oh, you're not playing particularly well. I don't think there's been much of that this season. I don't think there's been any one trait running through all the goals that you think, yeah, but if you'd be better at that, then you'd improve. Um, last season, they had it nailed down, but I... It did come at some degree of cost. 
I think other than Dion Charles, nobody got a chance. This season, it seems like the chances are being spread around the team. Maybe it is that kind of tactical tweak that they made in the summer um, or that, that the work they do over the summer that's just maybe altered the balance a little bit again. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And uh, I mean, I did say at the start of the season, Bolts, we do tend to go in uh, that League 2 season, never conceded, didn't score many. First season in League One, scored loads, conceded loads. Last year, the opposite, and now we're doing the scoring loads and conceding loads. So um, we do tend to do it season by season. But, um, yeah, it's, um, you know, it is it is what it is. And you're right in what you're saying. The wins are the most important thing. So, you know, we could concede 70 goals this season but score 90 and get promoted. Uh and again, it, it then turns out to be the most exciting season in history. <laughs> but it would have to be addressed in the summer as as how do we concede last goals. But um, yeah, the, the main thing is trying to get out of the division. We're fourth, we're in a good position. We're two points off Oxford, um, you know, in second. And I think if this weekend, if we get a win this weekend, it'd be a massive week for us to mm. uh, to have won those two away games tough games I mean both teams aren't necessarily at the top of the league but it's just tough places to go tough games both teams are doing okay if we come away with six points I think that'll be absolutely huge and um, and that'll put a marker down probably more than any anything else um, more than if we would have gone to Wickham and won 5 nil and then said drawn at Charlton I think that getting the two wins would be more of a marker for me for the season mm. Yeah, Charlton top of the, I think second actually, one of the people emailed in earlier, Steve in fact emailed me and said uh, Charlton second in the home form tables and Bolton second in the away form tables at the minute, which is interesting. But uh, right, okay, well we'll talk about Charlton a little bit at the end of the podcast. Uh, Headlines, anyone? Come on, Henry, bring me Her Majesty's Finest headlines. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, well, the first one, Ian Everett has said, uh, we can get promotion without breaking the bank. Mm. Uh, is that hinting at maybe January um, we won't be seeing millions of pounds being spent? I think it, it hints both at that and that they've not spent millions of pounds this season as well. I think, I, I think there's been maybe... <sighs> Maybe an error in messaging at that club over the summer. With uh, we talked about this bond and uh, the way that the way that everything was kind of shaped over the summer, and I do think it, it made out as if Bolton were going to spend a lot of money. Even going back to that Barnsley interview after the game, and and I remember asking him, "Ever listen? You're going to need money to get out of this division. Have you got it?" And he said, "Yes." I I think when pushers come to shove, there is more money elsewhere than at Bolton. I think that's my gut feeling. I don't think Bolton... They'll be, you know, top six possible budget, maybe top eight budget, but I don't think they are spending as much money as other clubs in this division, the Derbys, the Portsmouths, uh, the Oxfords. So I think had they gone into this season reflecting that a little bit, I don't think there would be the current issues that they're facing potentially with people feeling this is going to be an easy season. Uh, if you know, Do you get what I mean? And I wonder yeah. if, if, if... I asked Ian Everett about sustainability um, and whether or not it's it, it goes hand-in-hand hand necessarily with success. There's the old Premier League saying you finish where you pay for. And 
I don't think it always works slower down the divisions. There's a little bit more wiggle room, but I still think it's a general rule of thumb. Uh, I still think the teams that, that put the most money in tend to get promoted. And I, I, I think that there's a lot of questions and we've been asking, asking them for, for a couple of seasons now about what happens next with the championship how can you even think about being sustainable? Well, for the first time, Ian Everett came out and said, listen, that's impossible. We're never going to be sustainable in the championship. It's impossible. But we feel like we can get out of this division without overstretching the finances. Um, they'll Whatever plan they've got for the championship, I suppose we're just going to have to wait and see in the fullness of time. Um, you know, whatever job they've got for, for January if if they are playing catch up there's got to be some sort of concession there they've got to be some you know plan B as to, to how to get players in to, to get you there or else otherwise you're writing off 12 months um, but at the minute they're there or thereabouts and it doesn't appear to me like they've, they've particularly broken the bank No and I think Bolton are doing it in the right way because we've We've built something, um, and I think that's for me. I would rather have seen us do this and had three years in League One, building mm. a squad, having the the memories that we've had, especially in the Papa John's Trophy, rather than go back to back promotions. As great as that would be, I think you you need to build, you know, build something. You look at Ipswich at the moment. As great as that is, that the second, I think if they get promoted, they'll still have players that are kind of League One players in their squad. Yeah. playing in the Premier League. So I think sometimes you need to just kind of build, you know, build this process up the pyramid. And I think that's what Bolton are doing. And um, I quite, you know, I'd, I would, wouldn't would like us, if we went down to League Two, we're obviously going to have the biggest budget because we get, you know, the biggest crowds along with Bradford, even though Bradford sell their season tickets for 20 quid. I will but, get um, Yeah, but um, we would have the biggest budget. You would expect that. Whereas in this league, when you have got the... Uh, the derbies. Uh, I think we're second. Are we in the um, average attendances? So yeah, you've you've got Derby and Portsmouth are on our similar level. Um, you you expect that we at least going to be at second or third in a budget. So if if like you're saying, if we're in the top six or top eight, I actually quite like that. It shows that we are building something and we're not throwing money at it. And they they could be scoped to to just give a little bit more money even though we're not going to break the bank, but there's scope there to do it based on our attendances and, and mm. everything else. If you're in Oxford, and I, I don't, I've not seen any of the... Uh, I know the wage budget comes out later in the season, uh, so we'll see it then. But let's use Oxford as, as an example because it's second. If they have broke the bank a little bit to get them into second on like 10,000 attendances or whatever to get in, where's their scope? They're breaking the bank as it is mm. so they they have got do or die because if they don't get promoted they're going to then have a few seasons where they're going to have to sell the players go back to square one and build again whereas bolton if we're sick in the wages they've got scope to move so um i quite like the fact that we're we we will be in the playoffs i think we're good enough to be in the playoffs i know we dropped out of it a few weeks ago but i think we've proven that we will at least be in the playoffs this season so that potentially says that we're overachieving. Maybe. I don't know. Mm, I think you'd have a hard sell to say that Bolton are overachieving, but it's just... <laughs> it, it, I just wonder... I mean, there's never any complete transparency with all this, but I would love to see a wage table 
a true wage table. Now, even Bolton's finances last season, they had um, a football department budget and an overall budget. And the overall budget, I think, was something along the lines of £8 million just over. Um, so the football department, which also includes a B team and all the staff, would have been less than that. And then you kind of... It's kind of... A, a, portion out what what is b team what is what is uh you know ground staff what is this this and this i wonder where their budget does lie i, I don't think you'll ever know the absolute answer but i'd love to see a league table at some stage when all the finances are up and the best the best possible guess we can do okay let's move on uh, so aaron morley's had um an interesting week he's mm. come back into the first 11 for northampton did a great assist for randall williams um and then was taken off in the second half. He'd come on as sub on Tuesday and got the goal from the penalty spot. Um, so how does he become a first-team regular, or does he need to just accept that this is Bolton Wanderers and players will get rotated? I think there's certainly some of the second point you make there. I think there are very few players, but we know the players, obviously, the, the kind of central axis, that are going to be in there if they're fit. I don't think Aaron Morley is one of them. Um, but he is a horses for courses type of midfielder, and probably there's a bit of inspiration there from Josh Sheehan, who was exactly that type of midfielder last season and the season before. And yet now I would say he's now in the mix of he has to start because he's making Bolton tick, um, and that's possibly been at the detriment to Aaron Morley, who hasn't had as many chances. Um, Ian Everett says it's got to be consistency of performance. I can understand it's difficult to get consistency of performance unless you're getting consistency of selection. It's always been the, the time I, the time old trouble. Um, Morley, first half against Northampton was outstanding. I, I really thought, yes, this is his hour as such. Second half, I think he ran out of steam a bit. And that could be a case of not being absolutely match sharp or, or what have you. It just, the game passed him by a bit and he, he got taken off. Um, he clearly made an impact on Tuesday night at Wickham. He was one of those guys that kind of wrestled control of the game after the two all and got the ball down and started playing it. Kept his nerve from the penalty spot. Hopefully that gives him a nice shot of uh, confidence going into a game that I think will suit him a lot more on uh, Saturday at Charlton because it's more of a pure footballing game. We know what he's done at Charlton before now. I think this could be a really big day for Aaron Molly if he gets selected. Yeah, obviously we remember what um, Aaron Morley did last season against Charlton and hopefully he can replicate that even though it's not on Sky TV and we all know. But I think he, we should mock it up because he seems to play quite well on Sky. <laughs> yeah, he leaves his best goals for Sky TV. Um, but yeah, I think Aaron Morley last year was great and I think he'd, he'd sort of got himself into that undroppable mode mm. uh, halfway through last season and then... Suddenly, this season, he's just gone off the boil a bit, which you've got to remember, he's a young guy as well, so he, he will have moments or a few batch of games where he's not playing as well yeah. as what we we know he can do. Uh, I think he's still a good player. I think, um, for me, and again, I'm just going off my um, uneducated knowledge of just watching the games, I think he can pick a pass. He's great at that. I just think there's... I don't know. I don't know whether his concentration has gone a little bit. Um mm. And that's potentially why he's found himself out of the team. I mean, let's face it, Josh Sheehan, for me at the moment, it's between Josh Sheehan and Dion Charles for player of the season. Mm. It, Sheehan's been great. So with Sheehan playing so well, 
you still need to rotate the rest of them. I don't think Ian Everett likes the fact... I don't think he'd be comfortable with having two centre midfielders who are mainstays. But then again, Thomason is, is keeping his place. So um, maybe the, the other players have got better and that's kind of uh, shone a, a light on Aaron Morley that his performances need to be more consistent but mm. I thought his pass against Ferrando Williams showed what he can do that's the Aaron Morley we know um, I thought he played well when he came on the other night so there, there is glimpses of him being back um, but obviously he needs to show it a bit more but we know what he can do and this is it is that when Morley was having poor games and people were saying it it's because we know what Aaron Morley is we know um, how good he can be uh, so that's probably why people are, are wanting a bit more from him. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Another headline. Uh, well, scared of spiders, Randall Williams. Apparently there was a spider on the pitch on uh, <laughs> Saturday and that's where his goal celebration came from. He wasn't celebrating, he was just getting up, like jumping over it. Um, but he said he wants more goals. Uh, Randall, has, he scored a few, hasn't he, for Bolton? So, uh, mm. yeah, he's um, he, he, can, he has shown that he can get get goals from that area and uh, he's um, yeah I think it's he should want more goals and everybody should want more goals them. yeah Surely. Nathan Baxter would, should want more goals than what he's got <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's not venture up again though Nathan just leave corners <laughs> alone just uh, take pot shots from distance Um, yeah no Williams is interesting he, he was talking about having been given a bit more license to get forward this season this might come back to what <clears throat> we talked about um Conceding goals, and I think that Dacus Cogley and Williams are playing more as forward-thinking uh, wing backs, as as opposed to maybe last season where you had Iredale for a chunk and Bradley, who was basically he could do both roles equally well. So maybe there's just a little bit less defensive now, and that's why the change came around on Tuesday. That Ian Everett just felt that <clears throat> playing Dacus Cogley on the left hand side playing Gethin Jones on the right-hand side, just gave him that bit more security. Now, Williams, to me, has been great this season. I, I think he's been really consistent. Uh, his performances have, have, uh, have been of a level that you, you don't worry about seeing him in the team. End of last season, wasn't didn't look fit enough, necessarily. Obviously, hadn't had the pre-season, hadn't quite settled, but I think he's looking the real deal now. Um, uh, he, and... He never wants goals. He wants those uh, wing backs going and tucking in and, and getting themselves into the penalty box. And uh, yeah, more goals will come if they do, and more acrobatic celebrations. Yeah, I, I like. I've got to say, I, I have liked. I've noticed in, in recent games uh, that um, Williams, and in particular Dacus Cogley, have kind of come inside a lot more. Dacus oh. Cogley's found himself in the middle of the pitch a few times, which are quite. As long as he's got cover. Um, I quite like because I'm sure there's there's a lot of League One defences and midfields that get confused by that. But um, yeah, Williams has shown he, he's you know I, I again the press the Connor Bradley button um, <laughs> that he showed last year that he can get uh, into the final third and become a threat. Um, but I think what what Bradley perhaps didn't do as well was the the getting to the byline and crossing it into a man. And I think Williams has shown that he can do that as well. He, there's a few times on Saturday where he, he got to the byline and put in dangerous balls and it obviously he just wasn't the person coming in to uh, to put it in. But I think mm. uh, 
I think Williams has had a good start to the season. I think a few a few people were a bit umming and ahhing over him last year. But I think the way he started this season, is you can see why he's been brought in and what they want from him. And I think he's uh, he's an asset. So I think both full-backs have been very happy with. And yeah, if they can get more goals, then that would be great. Let's have another headline. Uh, so speaking of goals, George Thomason got his first goal of the season <laughs> on Tuesday. Uh, it, I, I, you know what? I should have put a bet on it because Ian Everett said in the before it, didn't he? He said that we want more goals from Thomason. But... Mm. Um, he's been playing in a slightly new um, midfield role, and um, I've, I've got to say, I think I think Saturday in the second half, Thomason was our best player. Mm-hmm. I think a, a few players kind of, I don't know with with Sheehan whether he ran out of energy a little bit, but it seemed that Sheehan had, for the first sixty minutes were immense, best player on the park, and then Thomason, when it came to nitty gritty, took over a little bit. And as well, he's not only scored on Tuesday, but he's gone two games without getting a booking. <laughs> That's the important thing. Um, no, the thing is with George, I think uh, as a defensive midfielder, I, he kind of moulded himself in that shape, really. And, and that's where he was sitting in the team. But since Kyle Dempsey's injury, they've had to change things a little bit, to affect the balance a little bit in midfield. And he's found himself pushing on that little bit more, more more of a kind of a number eight. And I think it suits him. I think it suits him. I think he has got a footballing brain and, and he does see things in a slightly different way to the other ones. I find, um, you know, he's still got that needle about him. He'll still put his foot in and chase and press and do all the things that you're supposed to do out of possession. But I think he has got... Uh, a bit of creativity, a bit of a bit of magic, a bit of unpredictability, even with that that left foot of his, and uh, he plays passes that the other people don't. And I saw a couple of them on Tuesday night at Wickham, where he just kind of whips a, a ball around the corner out of nowhere, and you think nobody else would even try that, really. Even Morley, probably technically the best passer of a ball that Bolton have got. Um, I like him. I, I hope he does. I hope he gets. Uh, confidence from scoring it's his first one for quite some time I think his last one was at Doncaster of all places uh, I like George I think he is developing into a real quality player and that's come with a lot more game time exposure this season obviously but um, I think you talk about assets and all that kind of stuff I think at the minute he's he's one of Bolton's biggest assets and um, more importantly you kind of get from him that he wants to improve. He's sat there thinking about how he can improve as a player. This is definitely a way. If you start adding goals to your game as a midfielder, then you are in a different bracket altogether. Yeah, you're right. And uh, I, I mean, I, I really like George Thomason. And I think some people do expect so much from him. And you can sense that in the ground when a, a pass does, is misplaced. There's that groan, you know, with Thomason. But again, he's our youngest player who's well consistently playing our youngest players so yeah I think a lot is expected of him but again I think he's showing that he's really coming to his own he's he's you know he took his goal very well on Tuesday I think he's shown um that he is willing to put himself about which a lot of our players aren't we don't really have that player and Thomason is that player and he's the youngest player as well so that says a lot um and yeah I think he's He'll get the ball in the middle. Like the, he should have done better with his, his shot on Saturday, but he got the ball, ran with it, and, and created an opportunity for himself. So I I love when he has good games. I love when he scores because I think he's a, a very good player. And 
I know he, he still is a bit marmite amongst some member, you know, parts of the fan base, but you know, Bristol City are no mugs. If they're coming in with an offer for a million and we're uh, rejecting it, or we're giving him the option to stay, I think that says a lot about what people think of him. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Let's move on. Uh, so Ian Ever has has come out and defended Geffen Jones. He's mm. back in the team um, again. Saturday there were a few moans and groans when he he made a few misplaced passes, and Ian Ever has said he doesn't really understand the stick that he's getting. Uh, we've discussed this before, but I mean, do you agree? Is it is it harsh on Geff? Well, uh, there were quite a few eyebrows raised when he got in the team straight away after suspension. I think that's why I asked the question of Ian Ever. And just said, what was you thinking behind putting Gethin Jones in there? And he kind of explained that he wanted him to push forward from that right centre-half spot and, and get involved. And I think he did that first half. And I, I think he would... Albeit, yes, there were a couple of passes here and there. That's probably the area of Gethin Jones's game that can improve distribution. But it, this, he brings a lot more. He brings a lot more to the table. And then, of course, on Tuesday night, he gets switched out as a right wing back again. I think he played okay. I think he played all right. There's, there's no question that he's had better runs of form. I don't think he's been really awful at all in the first 10, 11 games of the season. But there was there was patches. There was patches of, of poor performance. He'll probably hold his hands up and say that himself. But you play through that. You, you don't just get dropped like a bag of, you know, bag of spuds if, um, if, if you're playing poorly you get the opportunity to prove yourself. And I think with Will Forrester in there, there's somebody pushing him. He knows he probably can't let that run of bad form go on forever or, or patchy form go on forever. So there's his inspiration. And uh, I think he's probably reacted well. I haven't seen that much criticism of Gethin Jones in the last couple of weeks in comparison to probably before his suspension. A um, few silly people saying he should have been banned for life for getting sent off and all that sort of nonsense, but that's Twitter for you. Um, I, I think he'll soldier on. He'll be fine. He's, he's, one of, uh, he's one of the leaders in there, he's, and he's a very strong guy. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll have a long, any long-term problem, let's put it that way. Uh, no. Um, you know, I think Geff is... You know, I, I, can, I can understand the, the criticism on a, a purely footballing level. Anything yeah. else is, is ridiculous, but on a footballing level that... Yeah, there's there has been a few misplaced passes. Or this bit, and it, I'm sure he'll admit that. And the manager will admit that. But I think what is interesting is when you know you you consider that for sometimes you Geffen Jones might be in the squad, so it frees up another position, or he it just keeps it assured in that, that uh, the back three, so um, so Dacus Cogley can get forward. I mean, Jones links well with. I mean, he's played with. A couple of wing backs now, and he does link very well with them in the overlaps and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, he's he's clearly an asset to the team. And again, it's it's with the wins is that he's come back for two games, and we've won two games. Yeah, you know, the, the, true. His last game that he wasn't playing was the Carlisle game where it went, you know, you know, it went tits up <laughs> essentially. <laughs> um, so so yeah, it's. He's he clearly adds something to the team, and um, you know I think he's he's he, he works well with Santos. He he gets the way we're trying to play. Um, he gets the ball forward, and all few of the passes um, are misplaced. But it's 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 funny to me that 
on Saturday as well. You know, when they're keeping the ball at the back and people are getting frustrated, Geffen Jones is the for me the one more than others that is looking forward to the to Dion Charles or the wing backs or midfield and trying to get the ball forward. And then if if a if a pass does get misplaced, people are moaning at him. So he's like, well, you're moaning at the them keeping the ball at the back, but you're also moaning when somebody's playing it forward. It's just, it's funny, but um, you know, I, he's. I'm sure he'll come good, and, and also he he scored goals for us. He scored a few goals for us, which is um, yeah, he's uh, he, he's good. You know, he's he's what we're That's after. A bonus. Really, he's a bonus. Yeah. So, um, you know, whether Geffen Jones can do it in the championship, he'll have to prove that if we get promoted. But for now, I think he's a very good League One player. So I'm happy. I'm happy with him in the team. I I really hope he has a there's a really good game around the corner for him. Because I think fans fans sometimes can just go off the last game or of a last pass they've seen or the last video bit of they've seen. So I'm sure I'm he's sure been around will. long enough to know that there's always there's always a player that has to be the topic of of conversation um, amongst supporters, particularly now in the social media age. But hey, what can you do? Right, it's time to move on to, um, I would I would go as far as to say, our hottest point of discussion on the emails. It's who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, Our brand new segment is only, well, this is only the second time we've even done it, but I've had loads and loads of emails uh, asking for requests. Some of them, I don't think, get the idea behind it. But hey, the idea is you email in with, with a player with a particular fact attached to it. So if you know something about a player whose name starts with C for next week that, that may not be common knowledge, please email us on this address. So you want to bring something up on the buff. Email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com. That's T H E B U F M A I L, all one word, at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. We did, however, get some good emails about players whose name begin with B or their surname begins with B. Are you ready, Henry? Yes. Uh, just for anybody who hasn't listened to this one before, uh, Henry has to rate these in terms of inter- interestingness on the Josh Dakers Cogley scale that uh, goes from zero to ten. Um, and we've got three players coming at you. Okay, the first player is little-known wanderer Luke Bratton. Luke, ah, yes. Do you remember him? Do you remember him? Yeah, scored one goal against Reading. I seem to remember. Uh, no. You don't remember him then? <laughs> Who are you thinking of? Oh, no, I'm thinking of Daniel Bratton. It was the... Ah, Bratton. Oh, yeah, Daniel yeah. Bratton with an E-N, yes. Oh, yeah, oh, God. Yeah. I could have done it. He had a seal dribble, if I remember. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, he was basically bought on the strength. He was he was, he was was part of the swap deal for Johan Elmander. Um, and yeah. he was bought on the strength, I'm pretty sure, of a YouTube video that had him doing a seal dribble where he balanced the ball on his head and ran through and scored. I should have used Amazing. that. Great. That, I mean, 
I, I know post Allardyce we had a few uh, ropey signings, but the fact that uh, the fact that somebody signing because of that is, is pure Bolton Wanderers at that time. <laughs> well, feel free to give that a Dacus Cogley scale. Uh, that's that's fine. Um, so Six. we'll go. You're going to give him a six. That's a six. There's a there's a bonus episode there. Uh, Luke Bratton, Australian midfielder, who was signed by Manchester City, and then he was loaned to oh. Bolton Wanderers in 2015. He never played a game. Yeah, never played I a game. Him, I'm yeah. sure it was Neil Lennon that signed him. Um, and we just we was like, oh, brilliant! You know, a, 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 an Australian potential Australian international, and just never even got anywhere. I think he played a couple of reserve games. Dubbed the best uncapped Australian player in the world at the time, would you believe? He is still playing now for Sydney at the age of 33. Um, but the reason why I bring him up, and thanks very much for James for emailing in, um, he brought me a headline, uh, like a, a newspaper headline from uh, Sydney. It's a derby between Sydney FC, which is what Bratton plays for, and Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, now, the fans of Sydney FC are taken issue with a, a former player, a Serbian player called Milos Ninkovic, who had gone across, he quit the club and he got across to the Derby rivals. And so they wrote to the, uh, wrote to the club to ask permission to bring dead rats and pig's heads to throw at him during the game. How about that? <laughs> That's amazing. And did they accept their, uh, their offer? I've looked everywhere. I can't see any any reference to them actually getting them in the ground. Um, but I'd love the idea of a bit like at customs where you have a, a bin outside where before you go in. Any dead rats or pig's heads, you've got to put them in here, I'm afraid. If they're not in a clear plastic bag, sorry, you're not allowed, they're not allowed to come in. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, I, I don't know that that's going to catch on. I don't know that or not if, you know, Bolton would come across um, one of their former players, um, I mean, you know, Kieran Sadley was there on Tuesday night, for example. Didn't see a pig's head or a dead rat being lobbed in his direction. No, um, I mean, we don't really have any beef with Wickham. Uh, maybe <laughs> if he'd have signed for Wigan or Blackburn or Wolves, Tranmere or um, anyone else of that ilk, uh, maybe uh, that would that would come into it. But uh, no, it's. Uh, I don't know what the Bolton equivalent would be. I guess we are the trotters, so the pigs would would work. Maybe half-eaten pasties. Maybe the Bolton <laughs> equivalent. Right, give me a Dacus Cogley. Uh, five. A five? Well, you're a hard man yeah. to please. A hard man to please. Right, this one is from Martin uh, Betty Bouval. A French striker um, who joined Bolton Wanderers at the age of 16 from Nancy. He'd never never played a senior game for Bolton. Um, I can find very little information on him uh, as far as his Bolton career is concerned. Um, but uh, as he points out, um, he could be the most travelled former Wanderer. Um, are you ready to listen to the number of countries that he has played in? Yeah. Okay, so we've got France, obviously, England, obviously, Denmark, Greece, Poland, Turkey, Portugal, Albania, Germany, and he's also played international football for Martinique. That's wow. Okay. Ten different countries you've played your football in. That has got to be the most air miles compiled by a Bolton Wanderers footballer, surely. Yeah, some decent countries in there, and Albania. Um <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, he's travelled the world. Fair play to him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to... Um, 
I'm gonna go for a four on that one. A four didn't really float your boat. Okay, well we'll try and we'll try and redeem it. Can Conbusianis? Never so, heard of him, but that's a great name. So Conbusianis, uh, I got a, um, actually who's who's it's uh, Carl. Carl has sent the email. Um, so he sent me an email with the second stat that I'll give you. On, ref- uh, on research, rather, I found out a little bit more about Kombusianis. Uh, he was an Australian, again, um, he was a winger, uh, dubbed the best free kick taker that Australia has ever produced, would you believe? Okay. Wow. Now, that for me, I'm not sure how long that list is, personally, but fair enough, I'm sure he could take a free kick. Signed in 1999, so uh, he'd never played a senior game for Bolton. He was ruled out at the second half of the season and the FA Cup semi-final. Um, against Aston Villa because he was in court answering charges of armed robbery and false imprisonment. <laughs> I don't remember I don't this. <laughs> I, don't I don't remember, remember it at all. I don't remember him as a person. Like, and and that was, so that was what, 2000? 2000. So this is Big Sam, championship yeah. team coming up, getting promoted type of time. I, I was, as a, a nine slash 10 year old in that, that season, I, that was my peak of, Football knowledge, as as I've said before, you don't know, you don't have any other things in your life other than football at that age. And I don't remember this guy, so uh, yeah, I'm quite surprised by that one. But I mean, he seems like a hell of a character. Well, he scored the first goal. Um, oh, sorry, he scored the goal rather that got Ange Postecoglou his first ever title um, in Australia for South Melbourne. Um, so he was he was quite a big deal in Australia by by the looks of things. He's still getting quoted today, um, but the 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 Carl sent the email in to, for this stat that he scored a hat trick in a very famous game, uh, world record win, thirty one nil against American Samoa for Australia. He scored a hat trick in that game. Ah right, okay, yeah, I have heard about that game. I think um, they made a it's, film it's, about it. I think they did, yeah. When you break it down, thirty-one nil in a ninety-minute game, that is that's some going. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's that's pretty much what all Bolton fans thought the score should have been uh, <laughs> on Saturday against Northampton. Um, disappointed, yeah. unless Bolton win thirty-one nil, nobody's going to be entirely happy after the final whistle <laughs> found on there. So, how, give me a give me a Dacus Cogley on that one. Uh, we'll go six. I've never heard of him, but that's it. It's an interesting life he's led. Right, so Combusianis uh, wins uh, the Battle of the Bees today. Like I said before, if you've got any nominations for players who begin with C, facts must have come attached. I don't want just a list of players who've, who've named stars with C. I've got lists. I know exactly who's who's played for Bolton Wanderers. <laughs> We've played Danny Shitu before. Exactly, like... exactly. So crucially, crucially, I want you to do my research for me so that this format point can be as easy as pie and I can just cut and copy it and discuss it with Henry. That's what I want. Hopefully yeah. that will that will come true. Um, right, time for a very quick email. Is that Philip Moresh? <laughs> Yes, I've got a list of emails. I've got so many emails that I need to get through. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think I can get through them all this week. It's just one of those weeks. Um, but I will sneak a couple in here. Uh, this one is from Paul. Um, hello, Mark and Henry. First of all, congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Hewitt on the arrival of their son, Arthur. Thank you. Um, 
My son and I have been discussing managers who are completely wedded in their football principles. Burnley provide a perfect example. Their manager, Vincent Company, wants to play attractive football week in, week out. The net result being that they've lost one, drawn one and lost the other seven in the Premier League. If they keep doing that, they're definitely down. Big Sam always set his teams up to play to their strengths. More often than not, it worked to treat. I would also argue that Parkey did exactly the same thing. In the case of both managers, it was never classed as attractive football, but they won matches. In my opinion, it's a results business first and an entertainment business second. So, do you think Ian Everett would change his football principles if we ever get promoted to the championship? Or do you think he'd stick with them? If it's the latter, we'd need one heck of a squad capable of playing that way and it would cost a lot of money. Keep up the good work, says Paul. So, what do you think, Cameron? Do you think he would change things? I think he'd have to. Like we said before, that we, we tend to concede a lot of... Um, I, well, I said we don't concede a lot of chances, but I think when we're on the attack, we're open to that. And and if it wasn't for Santos's ability to, to bully strikers, which he, he won't have as much in the championship, uh, I think we'd uh, we'd concede a lot more than what we did we do. But... Um, yeah, he'd have to because the play the teams are better. I think mm. um, you know you look at Ipswich and they spent a lot of money in the championship. They they spent more than others and they built a great squad and that's showing in this one. So it is it's you can I, I've not seen Ipswich enough to know whether they have changed the style. I don't think they necessarily have. So it is possible, but um, I, I think he just he never he's not stupid. He's he's a smart guy with. You know, with with footballs and and how to play and how to break teams down, we've seen that he's he's adapted. He adapted on Tuesday for Wickham, so I'm sure he can adapt his style. But I'm I'm sure the philosophies would still be the same. I think if they'd have got up last season, it would have been a massive change. They'd have had to have almost t- torn up the game plan completely and played kind of survival football. I, I think if if they get to where he wants them to be this season. I don't think he will change his principles. I think they will, as you mentioned there, Paul, have to spend money to bring in players that are better at playing this type of football. The The plus point of championship is you won't be coming up against teams who try to stick one on you all the time. Um, yeah. The kind of the direct teams. There are, there are many, many fewer. The, the, I think like Rotherham, for example, would be one. Sheffield Wednesday are up there. Not doing particularly well. The teams that are doing well tend to play the more open game because they're better players. That's that's the way the game, the fashion of the, the time, as, as it were. So I, I think it probably would suit Bolton to play that way, but they'd just have to be a lot better at it. So um, I hope that answers your question, Paul. Uh, thank you very much for your email. Uh, one more very quick one from Steve. He says, uh, I wondered as a listener if you can answer this. I'm always curious to know what the actual attendance is at our home league games. Is it given or do they count all the season ticket holders regardless of whether they're at the game? If they do, does the club have an internal record of how many are inside the ground? Uh, P.S. He says, I'm a George Thomason convert. What a player he's turning out to be. I was saying at the Northampton game that he needs to add goals to his game. Looks like he's got a good shot at him. Just needs to find his range. We've covered Thomason, so I'm not going to touch that one. Um, So as far as the attendances go, yes, they do count season tickets in the official attendance list. Yes, somewhere there is a number of actual people through the gates. You've got to obviously scan your tickets and such like to actually get into the ground. So they will have a number of people who haven't sat down or turned up. I'm sure we can all remember, for example, the he who shall not be named days i'm sure he had to get a mention on this halloween podcast of all podcasts surely 
Um, but those days where, you know, you were claiming there was 12,000 people inside the ground, you could look around and count there wasn't 12,000 people in the ground. Uh, that's because they counted the season tickets. There were a lot of stayaways at the time. So yeah. nowadays, quite the opposite. There are actually a lot of fans that come to the game either on uh, invites, like they, they're getting a lot of young fans invi- invited from schools and things, uh, the community trust as well, uh, a lot of walk-up because there's a lot of interest, they're doing well. That's why we're seeing these big 20,000-plus uh, attendances because you're getting a lot of walk-on fans on top of the, what is it, 15,000-ish season tickets. Um, yeah, yeah. But you can see you can, you can can see within the stadium, can't you, that it's just it's so much fuller. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I, I would... I would say that was the 19,000 in Stevenage. I'd have my doubts about that. I think a Fair cold enough, yeah. Tuesday in October uh, did, and, and the ability to watch it on iFollow is, oh, sorry, Wondrous TV is, uh, it meant a few people stayed at home. But again, for the club, at the end of the day, I I can understand why they count season tickets because they've sold the seat. You know, Bolton don't have, I know some clubs having a, have a, a policy where if a season ticket holder doesn't go, like one of my mates is a Norwich fan and he has a season ticket but lives up in, in Derby. So he doesn't go to every game. So he he can, set up, I think for like five or six games a season, he can sell his ticket back to the club and they'll sell it on. Yeah. So uh, Bolton won't need to do that because we don't fill our stadium as much as Norwich do. But um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you, you can tell that there's, there's more fans there. Like Saturday... There was more fans than what would have been against Northampton in the, the game where we won and got promote uh, on a leading to promotion under Parky. But mm. um, yeah, it's it you know it's uh, it yeah the, the ground is looking full. I think you can always judge it off how the corners of the stands are doing in the upper tier, and they're looking uh, quite full at the moment. So that that tells you Bolton are doing well. And the same with up near the press box to my left. If that the main stand is full to my left, I know it's quite a big attendance. Um, they tend to be a lot of the comps and such like to my left. But uh, yeah, you, and you can also tell by driving out the stadium. Am I right? Am I right? Oh, um, but there we go. It. Enough of that. We don't, don't want to talk about car parks again. Uh, let's have some predictions. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Yes, just to finish off. Uh, we need to mention the fact that there's a game this weekend and Bolton are heading into the Valley to play Charlton Athletic. It has been a ground where they've got good results of late. I think Ian Everts won the last two. He's looking for a hat-trick. I think we anticipate it being more of a Bolton type of football contest. Fair enough. Do you think that suits them? Do you think they're, they're going to go and, and get another win? Um, I think this is the toughest, uh, and it's purely because they've got a, a striker in, in form. I think when we played them before, if my memory serves me right, that 4-1 win, they, it was, I can't remember who were manager at the time. It might have been... Dean, um, oh, no, it wasn't Dean Holden, was it? It was, uh, it was Johnny Jackson, I think, possibly. Was it? Yeah. Uh, well, he was under under pressure at the time. I think that was the, the final nail for him. Mm. Last year, um, I, I think they'd had a bit of a few... I think they had a few changes and, and we just played them at the, the right time. So I think this is the toughest one. Um, I think this would be the biggest win if we manage to win, even if it's 1-0. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it'd be a massive market because when you look at other teams, like Barnsley have, have played Shrewsbury, and I think they've got Fleetwood at home on Saturday. 
they're two games they should be winning. If we can match them for points in two tough away games, I think that'll really that'll really say a lot for what we're going to do this year. I think it'll be tough. I personally would. I think it's going to be a one-one draw. Um, we go there, we get a draw, and move on. And mm. uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be a battle of maybe Charles. It wouldn't be surprised if both of them scored. <laughs> maybe Charles. I, that's the way I'm going to bill it anyway. If I'm going to make any interest out of this game, I'm looking at. Alfie May scoring goals against Dion Charles, who, do you know what I'm going to say? I don't think he's playing that well. I don't think he's playing that well. I think his general general play has been has dipped a little bit um, in the last a few weeks. But but and it is a big but. Still scoring goals. He's still getting in there. He's still doing what he's paid to do. So. I mean, he may be a bit tired. He's been out on internationals. He's, he's been non-stop, really, for him. And he's had that shoulder injury as well. So he's playing through a lot of things. Um, but uh, he's still managing to get in there. He's still pouncing on uh, when Randell hit the, the post on Saturday. Who yeah. was there first? Dion Charles. Of course he was. Um, but I do think, like you say, it could it could boil down to who has the best day out the strikers. Alfie May has been a talking point at Bolton for a long, long time. Was there interest? Were Bolton ever in for him? I'd probably be able to give you a decent answer to that because I, ex- I expect to speak to him in a couple of hours and probably chat with him um, as to, to whether or not there was any chance of Bolton getting involved in that one. Um, maybe I'll tack it on the end of the po- podcast. Maybe I won't. Who knows? It depends how much time I've got. But um, I think it will be... I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I'm going to go for two apiece. But I'm going to go for Bolton coming from behind here, going 2-0 down, and then Bolton coming from behind, flipping the narrative on its head. Oh, we'll take that. Um, yeah, one thing about Dion Charles before we go, though, I think, uh, first of all, he scored nine goals. He could To say that we never got someone past 12, he could actually get past 12 before December, which uh, yeah, yeah. would be incredible. But... Um, what you just said about there is far. I think his goal-scoring form has got a lot better, but I, I don't know with Charles. I think there's been a few times where he's had the ball in good positions to pass it on to someone else and he's took a shot. I think he, he, he's, his awareness maybe has, uh, has dipped a little bit. I don't know. But um, I, here I am here I am uh, putting flaws in Dion Charles's game <laughs> when he's... Uh, I, I also said earlier on in the podcast that he would be my player of the season alongside Sheehan at the moment. Look, we never said it had to be logical, Henry. And if Dion wants to uh, to launch his own podcast to to critique your own podcasting, then he's more than welcome to do so. That's not an issue. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine the Dean Charles podcast. I, I, who knows? Who knows? It's uh, it's a it's a weird old world. Um, right. Okay. That is all we have got time for. Uh, this Halloween episode. Um, it got less scary, I think, as the episode went on. We went top heavy with the scares. Uh, but um, I hope you have a nice Halloween. I hope uh, you get plenty of uh, fun-sized Mars bars and, and no um, no boxes of sultanas or fruit uh, when you go trick-or-treating. That always used to bug me. There was always a couple on the corner of our street that used to give us sun-made raisins. That's not a treat. No. It's not no. fair. Um, Are you going trick-or-treating? No. Are you taking Arthur out trick-or-treating? Uh, I might do. I um, Obviously, you can't eat any any sweets uh, as a two two week old baby so i might i might you know deal with them sweets for him i might help him out um i never i've never been trick or treating my parents always said it was american rubbish so never let me do it so uh, I, I might i might change it up in a few years and take my 
take my son out uh, dressed as uh, dressed as Ken Anderson or Lee. No, actually dressed as Lee. I'm sure there's a, a scraggy blonde <laughs> wig I could buy from somewhere. I challenge anybody that listens to this podcast, if you're going to a Halloween party, if you've got any any pictorial evidence of the being Bolton Wanderers themed, if you can go dressed as the person that I can't bring myself to say there, but the one that he's, Henry's just mentioned, I will give you the biggest shout out in the world in next week's podcast. Um, I did actually send you a couple of pictures before the podcast of Bolton Wanderers players in Halloween dress. And nicely to close the close the whole thing out, um, the, the picture, the Rob Hall and... Uh, Jay's spearing picture particularly interested me. Um, you've got Rob Hall dressed as Sully from Monsters, Inc. And Jay spearing, you can just about see his head, is is within a Mike Wazowski costume that mm-hmm. looks like it's been deflated. Yeah, it does, yeah. It looks uh, like a soggy yeah. biscuit or something. <laughs> I, and to be fair, Rob Hall's effort is quite... Uh, I mean, he's he's wearing a blue... Yeah, it's, it is Sully, you can tell, but the... The hat is Sully's face, and it looks like uh, he's bought it off Berry Market, to be honest. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, for, for, for hilarity, I think I'll give him an eight, but for actual practicality, I'll give him both a two. There's, there was another picture I sent you as well, and it was uh, Derek Asidi, who has gone to the Junior White's Halloween party along with, um, do you know the other player, by the way? I don't know. It's Liam Thorpe. Weirdly, ah, Liam Thorpe, Liam right, Thorpe, okay. the United um, played play under Parkinson. But Liam Thorpe's uh, got uh, nicely dolled up. He's got the whole skeleton thing going on in his face. It looks pretty good. Derek CD has just basically banked on the fact that he's got big hair. He's got tall hair. <laughs> yeah, he's come dressed as himself. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely zero effort made. Um, later on that night though, I did, I, I went to that party and I, um, I, I there's a, a tradition of players being, um, dressed as mummies and the kids get on stage and they wind toilet rolls up and down them. I've seen many a yeah. player get decorated, including Emil Heskey at one stage, which was brilliant. Um, but I do remember Derek CD particularly enjoying that. Just, just thinking it was absolutely crazy that this was something that footballers had to do over here just basically be dangled with toilet roll by uh, a, a bunch of um sugared up four-year-olds it was quite quite hilarious to be honest yeah emil heskey scored for england against germany <laughs> uh, i'm sure he scored in a world cup as well and then ends his career like that in bolton oh, exactly <laughs> dangled with bog rolls <laughs> What can you do? What can you do? Okay, well, happy Halloween, folks, uh, for Tuesday, and have a good weekend, and make sure you are listening to us once again next Friday for The Buff, when we'll be building up to FA Cup first round weekend. We'll be looking back at how they go on against Charlton, and probably, hopefully, bringing somebody dressing up as Lee Anderson. I've been Mark Isles. I've been Henry Hewitt. And this is The Buff. <laughs> <laughs>